In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The second great epiphany, the baptism of the Lord in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, marks the beginning of the end of the Old Testament. And the end of the preparations for our Lord's public ministry. Since John the Baptist is the great last prophet, he marks the conclusion of the Old Testament, continuing to provide God's people what had been offered them through the covenants. But like Moses, who brought the chosen people to the precipice, not just of Mount Nebo, but to the precipice of the promised land, able to see it from across the Jordan River, and yet would not be the one who would bring them across that river, Moses gave authority and headship to Joshua, who then brought the chosen people into Canaan, into the promised land. So too, John the Baptist, right here at the same river, will conclude his public ministry and encourage all of his followers to go And become disciples of Jesus. John the Baptist had been told already by the Lord. That the the spirit descending like a dove would be the sign that this is the one. The one to replace him. The one who was promised. The Messiah. Notice though that John didn't hastily react to what he saw, to the things that were unfolding before his eyes and the things that he was hearing. It was the next day, the day after the baptism, when our Lord was back there at the same spot on the river, that John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God. And at that point, the last things for John to do would be to fade and to send his disciples personally to Jesus so they could address their questions to him so they would know for themselves that he really is the Messiah. What is about to begin is something entirely supernatural. The transition from the old covenants to the new and eternal covenant couldn't be more abrupt, but the Lord couldn't be more gentle in how he brought it about.
this experience of our Lord Jesus coming up out of the river and the Spirit descending like a dove above him and the voice of God the Father from heaven were not yet for everyone to hear. But for those of us who are believers who look back and read and reflect and meditate on these things as Mary reflected on everything, something we hear so often during the Christmas season, we already know that this is the Holy Trinity. In the Jewish ritual of washings practiced by John the Baptist, practiced by the Essenes, practiced by so many priests in different circumstances, there was a cleansing. The water meant a washing, a washing away of what was impure. But it only affected one's temporal condition. The Christian sacrament of baptism will begin a new life. Not simply improve the life that you've had up until this point. In fact, the Christian sacrament of baptism will complete your earthly death. So that you can begin a new life of grace. The sacrament of baptism conforms us to Jesus, the risen one. His sacrifice of his very self establishes the covenant. And by being conformed to him, the crucified one and the risen one, we become adopted sons and daughters of God the Father. In the River Jordan, Christ is revealed as the Son of God. Not just another Son of God, like one of the kings or one of the prophets. And those waters which would have symbolized life and cleansing and purity... which we know only leads to the Dead Sea just a few miles away. For a Christian, the water of baptism symbolizes death. It is the cross. Because the only way to the promised land, the only way to heaven, is to renounce this life and to renounce this world. Which then prompts the question, we've been baptized, we've been adopted sons and daughters of God, we have this noble dignity, but have we really died to the world? Have we really renounced this life? So that everything we do, everything we care about, everything to which we cling is of God. And is for God. At our baptism, we were probably made horizontal and water was poured over our forehead. 
In the first century, you would have been immersed in water three times to symbolize your death to this life. And coming out of the water, after your little forehead was patted dry with a terry cloth, there was a candle burning bright, looming overhead, the Paschal candle, the symbol of life, the symbol of resurrection, like the dove, like the Holy Spirit above the River Jordan. Is that the life that we foster every day? Is that the future for which we plan and anticipate with joy? And so I suggest that during these last hours of the Christmas season, we imitate Mary and reflect on all of these things. Reflect on them, not just so that we understand them, not just so that we remember them, not just so that we can explain them, but so that they transform us. And then this day isn't just a commemoration of a transition from the old covenants to the new covenant. But this day is the end of our preparation for a new life of grace, a new life of fruitfulness in the Holy Spirit, a new life of complete and utter joy because there is nothing in this life anymore that can hurt us because we have already died to it. Who does not want to hear those words addressed to them? This is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. That will be the beginning of heaven, the beginning of eternity of glory. And without realizing it, because we have been baptized, that has already begun. We are already living as heavenly creatures, consuming the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus which if they were sinful would be envied by the good angels. We have been promised to be bearers of Christ's power and grace if we live this life in earnest. Our prayer is being powerful if we are righteous and fervent. Healing the sick, raising the dead, Bringing faith to those who doubt. Those are the works that are supposed to accompany the Christian faithful. And that is what we will see more and more as one by one we let go of the life of the flesh and embrace the life of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.